good morning, church. How we doing? Good. I'm Scott Weatherford. I'm really glad you're here. And today is our birthday. Are you excited about that? Yeah. So I've seen all the, uh, the entrance to the dessert competition, and I'm very confident that I'm going to win this. Uh, some of you are too scared to enter into the competition this year, and I fully understand, and I'll claim the prize. No, it's going to be fun as we gather together this afternoon and enjoy being a family together. And I, plan, I hope you plan to stay because we've got lots of hot dogs and lots of hamburgers. If you don't stay, we're coming to your house with goodie bags, okay? So we're going to have a, a good time today. Next week, we continue the series, uh, The Encounters with Jesus, and the topic is, uh, do you want to go on an adventure? The adventure with Christ, the adventure. And I'm so excited that my brother, Dr. Stan Weatherford, will be back preaching for us next weekend. Uh, he's coming over. Yeah, we're good to see Stan again. He's coming over. We're going to go deer hunting this week. I'm sure all the little Bambies are safe with me in the woods. But we're going to go and enjoy some time together. He's going to be speaking this next week. Uh, just excited always to have Stan. I know you guys love him. If you haven't had a chance to hear Stan, you don't want to miss next week. In fact, next Sunday, uh, excuse me, Saturday night, new time, 530, that uh, the Cowboy Band will be leading our music that evening. So it's, it's a good time to give Saturday night a try with the Cowboy Band. It'll be a great time. In 1999, I went to Israel for the first time. I went there with a broken heart. I actually went there reluctantly. Uh, some people in the church I was pastoring down in Victoria, Texas, said to me, Pastor, you need to go to Israel. You need to go to Israel. You need to go to Israel. I heard it and heard it and heard it. Finally, they said, we have paid for you a trip to go to Israel. Now, Tara couldn't go with me because she was teaching school. So I went by myself. I went by myself with another church. So I was a stranger in a strange land with some strange folks. You know, church folks can be strange. Did y'all know that? And I was off with a bunch of folks from Dallas and folks from Dallas get, well, I won't say anything. Okay. So I went off with them, but I went with a heavy heart because just earlier, in fact, it was September. I went in, in November. In September, I just buried uh, one of my best friends. He died of pancreatic cancer at 43 years old. He's my surfing buddy. He was a shortstop. I was second base. We played on the softball team together loved each other. Our kids loved each other. Our families vacationed together. And, and I had just done his funeral. And I went with a broken heart. And I remember going into Jerusalem to a pool called the Pool of Bethesda. And it's right beside uh, uh, St. Anne's Church, which is a beautiful church building that every time we go, I get to sing the Lord's Prayer in. They don't, they don't want me to, but I do anyway. And, and right out there is the Pool of Bethesda. And it was a pool built by Solomon. And Solomon built that pool as kind of a, a, a show-off piece. In the ancient world, if you had water, you had wealth. If you had water, you had life. And Solomon built these, these pools to show that he was an opulent rich man that had water to spare. So he built the, the pool of Bethesda there, and it had five colonnade porches. And like a lot of places that were built for beauty and opulence, it became a place where the desperate would come and gather. And this was one of those places. I've been to Rome, to the Trevi Fountain, and you'll find kind of the same thing there. The desperate will gather there at these places of beauty. But there was a particular metaphysical reason the desperate would gather there, because they believed that the angels would come and stir the water of the Pool of Bethesda. And if you made your way down into the water, you would find healing. And the first one in got healed. Everybody else, good luck next time. And so they, there lay the, the lame and the crippled and the bag, the broken. 
And I remember standing there and remembering the encounter Jesus had with the man by the pool of Bethesda, found in John chapter 5. And I heard the haunting words of Jesus. Do you want to get well? Do you want to be healed? Later in that same trip, we went down to the city of David. And the city of David, it's interesting how there were, there's the Temple Mount. And of course, when David was king, the, the, there was nothing on the Temple Mount because the Temple Mount was not built except for the tabernacle of God. It was up on the Temple Mount. And cascading down the hill was the city of David. David's palace, probably at the top, where he would sit and he looked over and that's where he saw Bathsheba because he was looking down on the city of David. And down at the bottom was the Pool of Salome. A pool also, uh, the, the English name, Sent, S-E-N-T, the Sent Pool. And there again, built for water storage, Hezekiah's fountain went into there, Hezekiah's springs went into there, and it was a place of beauty and a place of restoration, a place of hope. And I remember seeing that pool and thinking about the encounter Jesus had with a guy in John chapter 9. And it was the same kind of deal about who sinned, his, this guy or his children or his parents, that he was born blind. And, and in those two encounters with Jesus, we see two very similar guys with two of the same kind of needs. They needed a divine encounter with Jesus that brought healing. And they had two completely different results because of the condition of their heart. This week I was reading a, a book on... Uh, it's actually by Andrew Murray. He was an old uh, South African pastor. This book was written in the, in the early 1800s. And he, he made this quote. He said, your whole world is in your heart. Your whole world is in your heart. And also remember Jesus saying that your heart is deceptively wicked. And out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I also remember that I have Jesus in my heart. And my whole world is in my heart. So I did a romantic thing. I tweeted to Tara. I sent her a little text. I said, hey, baby, the whole, my whole world is in my heart. And you are my whole world, for you contain all of my heart. And she sent me a little heart emoji and said, clean the bathrooms when you get home. You know, just to go. <laughs> the way it works. You know, I'm a, like a words guy. And she's like, get up and do something. But It's true. The whole world is in my heart. And do I want it all from Jesus? Do I want the healing of my body? Do I want the healing of my soul? Do I want the healing of my mind? Do I want what Jesus, only Jesus could give me? And when he says to me, hey, 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 you all get well? Do I make excuses? Or do I lean in? Do I get close? Do I claim it? Do I embrace it? And so we're going to look at these encounters today. And I think God's going to speak to you. And we're going to give you an opportunity, literally as Keith Lauderdale just said on the, the video, to take up your mat and walk and be well and be whole. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you want to say to us this morning. And I pray that you will speak through me. And I thank you that you've been faithful to speak to me in these days. And Father, as I speak to these people that I love and that you love even more, I pray, Father, the clutter and the chaos of our minds, the confusion, the perceptions, the distractions will all go away and we'll lean into what you have to say. And we'll walk out of here saying, yes, we have been with Jesus. 
We have been with Jesus. And that has changed everything about who we are. We thank you for what you're going to do. And we pray this in your strong name. Amen. I want to invite you to go ahead and take out your Take the Weekend With You notes and jot some things down. And let's look at these two encounters found in the book of John about these encounters with Jesus. There was a man sitting, waiting on a divine healing, maybe. And then Jesus came and he asked him. Let me read for you. This is in John chapter 5, verse 1, 1 through 15. There was a man who was waiting on a divine healing. After, these, after this, there was the feast of the Jews. Now, after what? John had kind of given an account of Jesus meeting with the woman in the well and, and the, the meeting with Nicodemus. And he said there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now he was there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate and the pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which is, has five Ruth colonnades. And, and, the, and there lay a multitude of invalids, blind and lame and paralyzed. My, one man who had been there as an invalid for 38 years. 38 years he's been laying by the pool. And it's interesting what Jesus said. And when Jesus saw him laying there, he knew he had already been there for a long time. How did Jesus know that? How did he know he'd been there for a long time? Because Jesus had been to Jerusalem a number of times and he passed by the, the pool of Bethesda. He would have to pass by the pool of Bethesda on his way up to the temple. And maybe he saw the dude over there and he says, yeah, that dude's been here a while. Maybe, maybe when Jesus was 12 years old, teaching in the temple, maybe he went by the pool of Bethesda and saw a dude hanging out then. He goes, oh yeah, there's a dude. I remember him when I was a kid. Because Jesus don't forget nothing, y'all. Except for your sin. Because when he forgives it, he forgets it. Did you know that? Hmm. Maybe he knew dude was laying by the pool of Bethesda wanting to be healed before he created the world. Maybe in the fullness of time, Jesus knew that there would be a divine encounter at the pool of Bethesda for dude. And maybe before the beginning of time, Jesus knew there would be an encounter for you today at First Baptist Wimberley. Just maybe. He knew he had been there for a while. And he said to him, do you want to be healed? Seems like a ridiculous question to me. I mean, the guy had laid there for 38 years. Duh. But perhaps, perhaps he had grown comfortable in his affliction. Perhaps that his affirmity had become his identity. Perhaps he was so comfortable being a lame guy laying by the pool that everybody knew he was lame dude laying by the pool. Maybe his nickname was lame dude. Laying by the pool. And Jesus asked him if he wanted to be healed. And then you listen to the response he, he says to Jesus. And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm waiting, another goes down before me. Wah, 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 wah. Added the wah, wah, wah part. And Jesus said to him, Get up. Take up your mat. Take up your bed. And walk. Get up. I think probably in that same tone of voice. Oy vey. Get up. Take up your mat. Take up your bed and walk. And the once the man was healed. Boom. He took up his bed and he walked. Now you would think that would promote a little bit of celebration, wouldn't you? Like people say, hey, lame dude, 38 years, you're, you're healed. What, what's up? 
Lame dude goes, I don't know, now I gotta get a job. <laughs> you know? Welfare check starts not coming no more. Gotta go to work. Now the day was of the Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who'd been healed, It's the Sabbath. And you know it's not lawful for you for you to take up your bed and walk on the Sabbath. <laughs> Religious folks. Perhaps the Baptist Convention. I'm teasing about that. I'm praying at the Baptist Convention in two weeks. Y'all pray for them as I pray for them. How about that? But he, the, but he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now, these men who had been healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn. That's a little strange. You know, Jesus is usually with the entourage, the boys. But it looks like on this account that John wrote, in the because John was an eyewitness to this stuff. John, for some reason, didn't include the boys with him in this account. And Jesus did this healing, and the dude didn't even know who Jesus was. How could you miss who Jesus was in that day? Pretty easy. How do we miss who Jesus was in this day? Pretty easy. Pretty easy. And so he says, I don't know. And, and then, then Jesus came to him. He found him in the temple. Listen to what, is, what he says. And, and afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you're well. Sin no more, nothing worse will happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews it was Jesus who healed him. And there's no record anywhere in this passage of this guy's conversion. There's no place in the record of this passage nor in many other places where Jesus did a divine healing and it wasn't up to that person's faith. And we listen to TV preachers a lot who says, if you don't have faith, you're not gonna get well. And according to scripture, Jesus can heal you without your faith. And he heals you for one reason. You know what that reason is? To bring him glory. To bring him glory. You see, there's some things here. Do you want to get well is a crazy question. And I gather in this room when I ask you this question and you go, yes, but do you really? Maybe you're like lame dude who was finding his identity in his affliction. I've known people, and maybe you know them as well, that within the first 20 or 30, 40, 50 seconds of meeting them, you find all about their afflictions, their bitterness, their brokenness, their hurt, their habit, their hang up, their affliction especially when I say to them, I'm a pastor. And it's like you unpop the dysfunction bubble and it all runs out on the ground. Huh? I remember I was flying from, from Victoria to Pensacola, Florida, and, and I was in the middle seat, which is always a blessing for those around me. <laughs> I'm in the middle seat. And there's an older lady sitting beside the window and there's a younger lady sitting on the aisle and they didn't, I, they asked me what I did and I told them I was a preacher and nobody wanted to talk to me. And then as we were flying, we were entered this very rough air. In fact, we circled Pensacola for two and a half hours before we could land. Lightning flashing, all this stuff. And the older lady says, Pastor, can I hold your hand? So I guess she thought if I went to heaven, I'd snatch her along with me. Oh, gone. <laughs> Who knows? And then the other lady, she begins to confess her sins. So... It's kind of interesting. She was a bad girl in New Orleans that week, y'all. I kind of, I don't believe I'd have told all that. Just take that right to Jesus. But anyway. 
But do you really want to get well? Do you want the sin against to be relieved, to be healed? Or you want to be identified by your dysfunction, your bitterness, your brokenness? Your father did this. Your mother did that. Your boss did this. The neighbors did that. The, the dog did whatever. Or I'm sick of this or sick of that. Or, or do you want to get the healing that Jesus had? And it's very interesting that even though this dude portrayed a desire to be well, he did nothing to be well. And he made excuses about his affirmities. And don't we do the same? Hmm. But the command of Jesus will trump your brokenness every time. Every time. Stand up, pick up your bed and walk. Pick up your mat and walk. Get up, get healed, and go on. And it trumps our excuses. You see, it's not about faith. It's about obedience. It's about believing Jesus can and do what he says he can and will do. And how often has Jesus been front and center in our lives and we ignore him? Or we don't listen to him. But he's persistent. He comes back. Comes back. And he says to this guy, and I think this is pretty amazing, that he was crippled for so long, but he did still remained crippled, not physically, but spiritually, because Jesus leaned in and he said, hey, stop your sinning or something worse will happen to you. And I looked at that passage and I went, what in the world is Jesus saying to him? Like, is there some kind of karma? Was he there because of some kind of thing he'd done? And then he said, stop your sinning? What? The dude ratted Jesus out to the Pharisees. Okay, that's, that's kind of wrong. The Pharisees were looking excuse to kill Jesus anyway because they were jealous. And, and, and he said, stop your sinning. I want to tell you all this. This is really cool. Do you know the only sin Jesus will not forgive? Do you want to know what the unpardonable sin is? The unpardonable sin is rejecting Jesus. That's the only sin that will send you to hell. Because Jesus forgives all sins when you come to him by faith through grace. Well, that's not what I've been taught. Well, what you've been taught is wrong. Because the Bible's very clear. The sin, unpardonable, is the rejection of Jesus and the woo of the Holy Spirit. That means every one of you in this room can be forgiven. Every one of you online can be forgiven. You can come to Jesus and be well. And what is something worse that could happen to you? Is there anything worse than laying by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years, wanting to be healed or acting like you do and not being healed? Yes, there is. Spending eternity in the devil's hell. That's worse. That's worse. And religion will cripple you. These Pharisees ought to have been celebrating that dude had been healed, but they didn't. All they could get choked up about the law. What are you talking about? You've been healed. You, you can't, you're walking with the Sabbath day. Somebody need to give him a head slap. What? Hello? But listen to me. So many of us get caught up in churchianity that you miss Jesus. And you have a label. 
a denomination. I'm a Methodist. I'm a Presbyterian. I'm a Catholic. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Pentecostal. I'm a Church of Christ. Whatever. And these labels mean nothing. Nothing. When you go up, they fall off. When you go down, they burn off. They mean nothing. (laughs) What matters is our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And religion will cripple you. But a relationship with God will heal you. And do you want it all? Healing of your mind, healing of your body, healing of your soul, healing of your relationships, healing of your finances. Do you want it? Do you want to get well? Do you want to be healed? Now, the second encounter is totally different from this encounter. Now, let me kind of set this up as well, because here Jesus is. Now, he's with the boys, and that's his disciples, and they're kind of down at the bottom of the hill, down at the at the uh, city of David. They're kind of near the pool of Salome. They're, they're down there hanging out. And then his disciples see a guy that was born blind. Now, to be born blind in the ancient world was a curse of God, so they believed. You were cursed because you'd done something or your parents had done something. In fact, that is prevalent in cultures today, especially when you go into places like India. If they see someone with a malformation a birth defect, they will say the parents have done something and the child now is a birth defect. Something wrong with them. I have a dear friend of mine who came up after the gathering, last gathering and told me that story. He says when he goes into certain, he has a, a, a marked defect. He says, I go into certain hotels to check in. They won't have nothing to do with me because they see me and they're afraid of me. They think I'm cursed. I'll tell you something, y'all. There's no curse with Christ. And I know my friend, his deformity has become a great pathway for the glory of God. I love this guy and respect him greatly. And he's never let this be any standing in his way. But let me read this account out of John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. In fact, I want you to read all of John 9 because it's fascinating. And passing by, they saw a man born blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. Typical question. Rabbi, we all know this to be true. Somebody messed up here. Somebody sinned. Was it him or was it parents? He was born blind. What's, what's up with this? And Jesus answered, it's not that this man had sinned nor his parents, but the works of God might be displayed in him. What? Jesus allowed this guy to be born blind so Jesus could heal him to bring glory to himself? Yeah. And your affliction, your divine healing becomes a pathway for God's glory to be revealed. Huh. huh. Then Jesus gives this little dissertation, which is classic Johann theology. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Jesus said that. He goes on, or, or he says it again in, in John. In fact, in John chapter one, he says, the light shines in the darkness, the dark cannot pro- comprehend it. John is weaving the theology throughout this whole gospel to show you the deity of Christ. Notice it says here, we must work, referring to the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the triune God in flesh in Jesus Christ. Oh, Having said these things, 
Listen to what he does. He spits on the ground and makes and mixes uh, mud with saliva. Then he anoints the man's eyes with the mud. And he said to him, go and wash in the pool of Salome, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. What? You see, encounters with Jesus, when he comes to you, are always fueled by one thing. One thing. His compassion. He loves you. He knows your brokenness. He knows your wound. He knows your affliction. He knows your attitude. And he loves you. Have you had anybody else like that in your, in your, in your life, in your world? Huh. This is the way Jesus is. And so when he does these things and we see him, that our brokenness becomes his pathway, we have to respond then. Listen to me. Because Jesus responds to me in compassion, how should I respond to you? Should I say, hey, uh, who sinned, you or your mom and daddy? Now I should respond to you in compassion because I've received compassion. I've received forgiveness. I've, I've received healing. And that compassion propels me to be compassionate to you to you. And Jesus' encounters always creates an urgency with us. I found this to be incredibly interesting. There are several encounters with Jesus had with blind men. And he heals them in all different ways. Uh, some, they said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. So he speaks to them and they're, they're healed. They can, they can see. He just speaks and they're done. They're healed. Hmm. Some of them he touched. They touched them and they could see. Uh, this one's weird. He spits in some mud, makes some mud with spit, and he puts it on his eyes. What is up with that? Again, classic writings of John showing you the deity of Christ. Why? Because Jesus made every one of you out of the miry clay, out of mud. Going back to creation, God scooped up a handful of dirt, took some spit, formed you, breathed in you, the breath of life. And as Jesus anointed this man's with this holy mud, something metaphysical started happening. Retina started attaching. Cornea started developing. Lens started taking focus. Optic nerves were connecting to the brain because the God of creation was at work restoring old eyes, dead eyes, blind eyes to eyes that see. Because he's God, he's able to do that. We listened to Keith's testimony here a few minutes ago. And you know, he's talking about being prayed for, praying for healing. That happened right there. Right there was the spot. And I was the guy praying over him. I wasn't the guy that healed him, guarantee it. Far from it. But I was prayed for him, and I sensed the Lord was moving in a mighty way in Keith's life. Yeah, doctors healed him, and nurses healed him, and medicine healed him, but the Lord God healed him. And he embraced that divine healing. And God is the God who can take the old and the dead and make it new. How do I know? Because he's done it for me. He's done it for me. Coop, 
He's done it for you. Jake, he's done it for you. I see those hands. He's done it for you. Wyatt, I know he's done it for you. All for Jesus. And you think about the miracle of God moving in and for and through us. But unlike this guy before, his response to Jesus was to accept him as Savior. He was healed and he went around and he showed himself to the the Pharisees and they lost their minds. Who is this guy healing people on the Sabbath day? It's just like, I don't believe you were blind. And they were, everybody knows he was blind. We're going to call your parents. His parents came in and said, hey, he's a grown man. You see, because he was born blind, he could not go to the temple. He could not participate in synagogue. He was considered an outcast. His parents were as well. And all of a sudden, things changed for them. And the Pharisees didn't want to see change. But Jesus is a change agent. And he came and he declared this to him. And then, then this guy, his whole world, he, he, he was once was blind, now he sees, but he still can't worship the way he's supposed to, so he's out. And, but Jesus comes back. And Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said, you have seen him. And it is he who is speaking to you right now. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. He came back seeing. Seeing. Maybe the first face he saw was Jesus. Maybe the first face he saw was Jesus. Have you ever seen anybody that saw you and their little face lit up? It happened to me yesterday. These two little girls came in, Lily and Ivy, and Ivy spent the night with us. Lily had to go home. Lily is one, and she can make, she could, I mean, tear up a bowling ball with her bare hands. I mean, good Lord. Create mess. I didn't know apple could spread as far as apple could spread. But that little face, she sees Papa, and it's just like, Papa. And that just lights me up. And I imagine one day I'm going to stand in the presence of God and I'm going to see Jesus and I'm going to light up and he's going to light up right with me. He's going to say, Pop Scott, come on, Bubba. Well done, good and faithful servant. Not because of you, because you're a train wreck because of me. I fixed you. Come on. Come on. Wow. And will you respond in worshiping Christ? when he heals you because he wants it. He wants to do it. So I have to ask you this question. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be well? You see, I stood by those two pools. If you go with me to Israel, I'll take you to both of them. And I stood there on that day and I realized, yeah, I want to be healed. I want my broken heart to be well. I want my life to be different. I want my Jesus to be real. I want to be healed. Then I stood by the pool called Scent, and I said, because I have been healed, I get to be a healer. Not some kind of TV preacher nonsense. 
but one beggar who tells the other beggar where the bread is. And Keith, that's exactly what you said. You get to be a healer because God has touched you. So today we're going to do something a little different. I want to give you an opportunity to pick up your mat and walk. I don't know what you need to be healed from. Maybe it's a disappointment. Maybe it's a healing of your attitude. Maybe it's a healing of your body, of your relationship, of your finances. I don't know what you need healing from. But we want to pray for you. The Bible says to bear one another's burdens, thus fulfill the law. So we're here today to bear your burdens. In a moment, Andrea is going to come sing a very powerful, moving song. And while she sings, we're going to have prayer team members who hold a a badge of confidentiality and love, and they've been trained to do this. They're here to pray for you. Your pastors will be here. We're here to pray for you. And I want to tell you something, y'all. Take advantage of this and experience the healing that God wants to give you. But some of you in this room, the healing you need is you need Jesus. You need to accept him as your Lord and your Savior because you never had. You've been just churchified and not sanctified. Well, today's the day for you to trust Christ and find the healing is in his hands.